stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Like this whole pipeline issue might be going to court as in a court of law on several fronts. In fact, it's going to make for a lot of work for a lot of lawyers. But there's also the court of public opinion. Uh, and I'll start today with mentioning this, and we'll get into it in more detail a little, a little bit later on. But a new Angus Reid survey out today shows that support is growing for the Kinder Morgan pipeline expansion. In fact, support in BC. Yes, British Columbia has increased six percentage points since February. A majority of Canadians are in favor of this. A majority of people in British Columbia are in favor of this. Now, maybe this, in, in an issue like this, polls shouldn't matter. It's not a popularity contest. Uh, it's about whether a project is in the national interest, whether a project has merit, whether, whether a project is able to get approved. But I think on this issue, given the political stakes... I think where Canadians are at very much does matter, and that's an encouraging sign. So something to think about as we uh, kick off the conversation today. But as mentioned, uh, this issue is likely going to courts on many different fronts. Now, of course, there's the prospect that uh, Kinder Morgan may file a lawsuit at some point if this project doesn't go ahead, if they believe they've been unfairly targeted by B.C. or even by Canada. Uh, There's also, we learned today, that the British Columbia government is going to go ahead with its controversial court reference case. It looks like that'll happen uh, by the end of the month. Uh, And then, of course, there's a possibility that Alberta could be taken to court, maybe by B.C., maybe by rail companies, maybe by others, in connection with Bill 12, the so-called turn-off-the-taps legislation that we learned about this week. And then, of course, is the question of jurisdiction legal jurisdiction over these matters, which seems pretty clearly to be federal. Could the federal government table legislation to make that even more clear? And maybe that might negate the need for all of this to be sorted out in court. So there's some pretty significant legal questions uh, surrounding all of this. I wanted to get some uh, legal insight. Joining us on the line is Dwight Newman, who is a Monk Senior Fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute, also Professor of Law at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, Professor Newman, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Oh, I'm happy to be with you. Uh, There are a lot of interesting and important legal issues in all of this, isn't there? Uh, yeah, <laughs> you've gone through uh, the list of some of those, and uh, there's a, a lot of them, yeah. What stands out to you as, as perhaps the most significant? Well, I mean, the, the big issue is really uh, the issue of whether there's something that the federal government legally can do to uh, to push things forward um, and uh, uh, prevent BC from doing something um, uh, that interferes. And, uh, I mean, there's the legal question, first of all, of whether BC can do anything to interfere that could get litigated. But, I mean, rather than wait around for that, um, uh, there's also the question of can the, the federal government uh, take some kind of legislative step forward uh, that uh, that accomplishes something and uh, and brings some certainty to things. Right. Let's explore that one a little bit deeper here, because it, it seems pretty clear that, that the federal government has jurisdiction on a project like this. But, but you addressed it recently, the idea of uh, bringing in legislation to further clarify that. What, what might that legislation look like and how would it how would it serve that purpose? 
Well, it, it could take a few different forms. I mean, the, the motivation behind talking about that, in a sense, is because uh, it's actually the case that the provinces normally can pass some legislation that, that overlaps a bit and has some effects on pipelines. Um, uh, they can regulate some local aspects that bear on interprovincial pipelines. And as long as they're doing that in a way that doesn't fundamentally interfere with the pipeline, no one would actually have any, uh, any problem with that. Um, the uh, the uh, unique circumstance here is where there's a province that's trying to use and press the limits of that power uh, and maybe go beyond it in order to try to actually stop the pipeline, which is not within their jurisdiction. So uh, the suggestion is the federal government could actually legislate in a way uh, that um, uh, takes full control or, or what's called covering the field in relation to the pipeline so that you eliminate the legal possibility of that, uh, that kind of provincial legislation in the event of a conflict, the federal legislation has what's called paramountcy, and so it takes priority, and provincial legislation would be considered not to operate uh, if it conflicts with that federal legislation. Um, but that could get legally challenged and legally tested. So yeah. um, whether it provides uh, certainty, I mean, there's room to, to talk about, does it get us to more certainty than there is now? Right. Does BC have any kind of a point when, when it argues that environment, environmental issues are provincial jurisdiction, and even if a pipeline is federal jurisdiction, once that product comes out of the pipeline, there's some provincial jurisdiction that comes into play? Um, so, yes. I mean, actually, both federal and provincial governments have um, some jurisdiction in the environmental area. Um, and normally, in fact, the province uh, uh, could regulate some environmental aspects that might interact with the pipeline. They just can't do it in a way that interferes fundamentally with the, the fundamentally federal decision uh, to approve the pipeline. So. It's, it gets complicated quickly. They've got a little bit of a point, uh, but they've, uh, they've, I think, overplayed it. So this is the, um, I think one of the points they're going to try to make, they've announced today that they're going to put this reference case to the BC Court of Appeal, and sounds as though that's going to happen by April 30th. Is, is this the point they're going to try to argue? Um, uh, yeah, I think they're going to try to argue about um, what is it that they can do. And uh, it's not known yet if they're going to uh, put that uh, reference case forward with draft regulations and ask the court what it thinks about those draft regulations, uh, or if they're going to go with a more abstract question to the court. And uh, they've taken their time thinking about it. Um, one could even speculate that they've dragged it out a bit, um, but uh, they have now committed to sending the question by the end of April. Now, that said, when that gets heard uh, is up to the court uh, and isn't an instantaneous thing. Right. You also do a lot of work on the issue of uh, Indigenous rights, and in, yeah. certainly that comes into play, and it was a big problem, I think, for the Northern Gateway Pipeline. Is it less of an issue here, or, or how might that factor into to moving this project forward? Honestly, we have to see how uh, two cases come out. Um, that uh, One of them was heard over uh, 10 days at the Federal Court of Appeal back in early October. Uh, and that's uh, a challenge by uh, the Slail-Wetooth, but also um, uh, about uh, eight other uh, First Nations that had posed challenges on consultation issues, a few environmental groups. There's about 15 cases that got wrapped together there and heard over 10 days. And uh, everyone's waiting for that decision. Um, and 
there's also a, a ch- and so that's a challenge to the federal approval, uh, with a lot of that being based on uh, duty to consult arguments. Uh, and then there's a challenge to the provincial support that had been given by British Columbia in a case that was heard in uh, in early November, taken by the the Squamish, and that also hasn't been released. That's at a BC trial court that that was heard, and uh, these cases bear uh, very significantly on things. Um, uh, the whole federal provincial issue is one thing, uh, but respecting indigenous rights is uh, another obligation on the the federal government. Uh, and were there to be an adverse finding, that uh, that would add another complication. Now that said, in the Northern Gateway uh, decision, the federal court of appeals said um, the government could go back and do more consultation, uh, and then re- reconsider and possibly still approve it. Uh, it's just there was a change of government in the interim. If the same kind of thing happened here, uh, the Trudeau government conceivably, as long as it remains committed to the pipeline, uh, could go back and do more consultation and consider that and conceivably reapprove it. But I think there'd be a, a big political shift that would come uh, if, uh, if there were that kind of a decision. Now, regarding the position Alberta has staked out here that um, they, they have introduced legislation that would allow some retaliatory measures if, if we think B.C. is is being too intransigent on this issue. Uh, but the idea of blocking um, exports to, to B.C., I mean, that, that seems constitutionally problematic. Would you agree? Uh, it can become constitutionally problematic. Uh, there, uh, there are some rules around uh, essentially provinces not being able to discriminate against other provinces in the way that they regulate exports of natural resources. But provinces do have the ability um, to manage the, uh, the development and uh, uh, conservation and ultimately export of their resources as long as they do that in a non-discriminatory way. Um, uh, and then in addition to that, uh, they can regulate the resources that they actually own, um, not as a, a legislator, but as a property owner, uh, probably in wider ways where they could even discriminate. Now, in Alberta, of course, there's some oil and gas that's, uh, that's freehold. Um, but a lot is uh, uh, in crown hands uh, and on uh, royalty schemes. Um, uh, so uh, there, it really depends how this legislation is used as to if it raises issues or not. Uh, and, and then lingering over this, I mean, there, there's the possibility that, that Kinder Morgan itself might uh, take this all to court. Certainly if, if political interference is seen to, to kill this project, would they, do you think, have a, a, an argument to be made uh, under NAFTA, for example? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a real possibility of some type of a lawsuit under NAFTA uh, or other uh, international trade and investment agreements, and uh, it would remain to be seen. It would depend on exactly what happens, uh, but if uh, if Canada uh, fails to uh, to uh, meet certain standards in uh, um, uh, in relation to uh, the process for an international investor, there are consequences to that. Indeed. Well, hopefully we can keep the court challenges to a minimum, but... um, Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) That may or may not be the case. We'll see. Indeed, we will. Much more, uh, mcdonaldlaurier.ca. Dwight, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Oh, sure. Thank you. Take care. Uh, That is Dwight Newman, Professor of Law, Canada Research Chair in Indigenous Rights in Constitutional and International Law at the University of Saskatchewan, Monk Senior Fellow in Constitutional Law with the McDonald-Laurier Institute. So his thoughts on some of these various legal issues, constitutional issues... Uh, that this pipeline project, this whole debate has raised.
Uh, still to come, we will hear from Dr. Jack Mintz, the University of Calgary School of Public Policy, uh, his thoughts uh, on some of the economic and political issues surrounding all of this and the idea specifically uh, of federal or provincial tax dollars going to backstop this project or to help protect the company against this political risk. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.